You're listening to Fit Girl, your guide to getting in shape, the podcast dedicated to helping you separate fact from fiction in fitness. For more details about this podcast and other episodes, visit fitgirlpodcast.com. This is podcast episode number 271. This episode could also be the burn belly fat edition as all three topics address this issue. First, we'll have number three of the five biggest mistakes in weight loss countdown. Then we'll have three easy nutrition tweaks for greater burning of belly fat. And then the best exercises for getting rid of belly fat. And it's not what you think. Just a quick reminder, I still need a few more beta testers for the new program, so go over to fitgirlpodcast.com and click on that if you wanted to partake in that. You can also just sign up for first notification so that when things are completely 100% ready, as opposed to the 90% ready it is right now, you can be notified. And remember, there's also ways to get free stuff that's going on for the whole year. And that's simply by doing a review or subscribing to the YouTube channel or the podcast. And all of the details there are also at the fitgirlpodcast.com website. This episode is going to be full of some really great information. So let's get started. Before we get into the third of the five biggest mistakes in weight loss, Let's quickly review a couple of the previous ones. So number five being listening to the wrong sources, such as ads, hearsay, magazines. Number four is consistency, or I should say lack of consistency when trying to lose weight. Now we come to number three of the five biggest mistakes in weight loss. And number three is using cardio to lose weight. Now, cardio is good for cardiovascular health to elevate your mood. It's just not the best thing for fat loss. And I'm actually going to give you six reasons why cardio isn't the answer for weight loss. One of the biggest reasons why cardio isn't the answer for weight loss is that over time, doing a lot of cardio will actually change your hormone profile and slow down your metabolism. And your body then becomes more efficient at holding on to fat. So in essence, excessive cardio actually makes your body better at holding on to fat, storing calories, and it becomes better at burning less calories, which is kind of the opposite of what you're trying to do. So we're talking about steady state cardio, which is when you do a moderate pace or maybe even a challenging pace or just a slow pace, but basically something that is a consistent state of pace or tempo when you're doing your cardio training. And it's also further been shown that steady state type training does not do much to boost your metabolism. Now, when we get into the training section of this podcast, we'll go over what you should be doing instead of steady state cardio. But first, let's really understand why it doesn't work for weight loss. So let's first clarify what we mean by steady state cardio. And that's when you usually get on something like the treadmill or the elliptical and you do it for, let's say, 30 minutes or more or you do it for 20 minutes at a steady pace. Now, sometimes people think they're working really hard doing 30 or 40 minutes of a program that has like hills or what appears to be intervals, but you really can't do hard interval training for 30 or 40 minutes. So in essence, it still becomes a steady state cardio. So first off, it doesn't burn as many calories as you think it does. So if you take it the example of a man, say about 220 pounds, well, they're only going to burn about 150 calories for an hour of light walking, or maybe 325 calories if they're doing something a little more strenuous 
for an hour. And on average, most people doing moderate level cardio are going to burn about 100 calories for every 10 minutes. And that's not just the lazy walking cardio. That's what most people would consider intense cardio, okay? Because it's not necessarily at a super high level, but they've been doing it for a long time, so they feel like they're really working hard. And when you try to think of exchanging calories in, calories out, and you know I say that that's really not the whole case when it comes to weight loss, that's one of the things that you can realize that, hey, 10 minutes for 100 calories, that's really not that much. You know, is there something I can do that's going to give me more bang for my buck? And yes, there absolutely is. But the reason why cardio for weight loss isn't the answer is not just because it doesn't burn as many calories as other things. The biggest problem with it is that it releases cortisol and excessive cardio, which could be 30 minutes a day every single day, which is what I also call chronic cardio, is a stress to your body. Now, some stresses are good and some are not good. Your stress, no matter what, releases and increases your cortisol levels. Now, those are your fight or flight responses to things, your adrenaline pumping, things like that. And that's great in the short term for like running away from a bear or something, but not for the long term. It's not something your body is designed to sustain for a long period of time. So when you complete these longer bouts of cardio, you're increasing your cortisol. And that has a lot of different effects on your body. And the very first one is deposits of fat in the abdominal area. And that's because we're going back to those caveman days where the body tried to store fat for when there was no food available. So it stores it where it deems it least important. So that's why a lot of times you don't get it around the legs first or the arms first because your body thinks that it needs those two things to hunt and to hunt to get food. So it puts it where it thinks is a good storage place, which is usually on the belly for men and the belly and the hips for women. So that's really nice that the body puts these fat stores where it thinks it's not essential so that we can do other things that are more important. But unfortunately, in this day and age, we don't have to hunt our food and we don't want to have those excessive fat stores in those areas. So that would be the number one detriment to an increased level of cortisol, the body fat in those areas that you really don't want to have body fat. The second big thing is that it causes muscle breakdown. And of course, the more muscle you have, the faster your metabolism, and we're all about saving muscle. And excessive cardio that raises too much cortisol is going to actually break that down further. Again, your body thinks that muscle is not important to survival. It thinks fat is. So it will get rid of muscle before it gets rid of fat. Again, why we want to preserve the muscle to increase the metabolism. Now, it also causes a whole disruption in the balance between estrogen and testosterone. And yes, both men and women have estrogen and testosterone, just different levels, different ratios. Of course, when your hormones get out of whack, it's going to make it even more difficult to lose fat. And it's even going to cause more fat storage, especially in that abdominal region, which is based on the way your body is already made, which is to preserve fat for when it doesn't have any food. Now, the other thing that high cortisol levels do to you is they actually make you search out and try to get more high sugar foods into you. And that's in order to replace those neurotransmitters, such as serotonin, which is depleted during chronic stress. And again, excessive cardio, and it, that just means long bouts of cardio, is deemed by your body as chronic stress. You're pushing it beyond what it's normally doing. And in the short term, that's good. But if you're continuing to do this over and over and over again, that's not good. So it's one thing to have a weight loss plan where you say, okay, for one month, I'm going to do 
45 minutes of cardio three times a week. That's pretty much kind of average. But some people take it to the other extreme and say, I want to do 45 minutes every single day. Well, that becomes then chronic cardio, and that is going to do the increase in cortisol like we're talking about. So what is your body designed to actually do with cortisol? I mean, is there any benefit to it? Well, of course there is. It is used when you have short bursts of extreme stress. So it's really made to be uh, exerted into your body when you are being chased by the bear, you know, or being chased by a buffalo or anything where it's a short burst and there, you have to have more adrenaline, you have to get out of that situation. And, and then what happens is your cortisol levels return to normal. They calm down, your body systems all go back to normal. So if they don't, then obviously you're going to be in a detrimental state for not only fat burning, but a whole lot of other processes that your body normally does. So excessive cortisol, which can come from these long cardio sessions, has so many more damaging effects. Since it doesn't allow your body to get back to normal, it can actually increase anxiety, depression, headaches, heart disease, memory concentration problems, digestion problems, sleep problems, and of course, weight gain. So there's a lot of bad things that can happen, and we want to do whatever we can to avoid that. So excessive cardio is definitely one of the things you need to analyze in your program, and it's certainly one of the biggest mistakes that people make. Now, chronic cardio can also actually increase your hunger. And by the way, this is number three of the six reasons why cardio is not the best for weight loss. There's actually studies that have shown that excessive cardio or low steady state cardio can stimulate your appetite and combine that with the fact that you're stressed with the excess cortisol, you're going to have more intense and frequent hunger pangs and cravings. And you may have noticed that sometimes, whether it's when you're just under stress or if you've been doing a lot of dieting and cardio sessions, you might find, why am I having cravings? Why am I hungry all the time? In essence, you're not only not losing fat, but now you're creating an environment that makes it easier to put weight on. Now, a fourth reason why cardio isn't good for weight loss is that it doesn't build muscle. Despite what a lot of people think, and I know a lot of people out there think, I run, therefore my legs are taken care of. Well, no, they're not. That's really not the way to build muscle. It's actually the way to lose muscle. But that's another topic. So cardio doesn't actually build muscle. It can actually inhibit your muscle growth because it can actually decrease your muscle tissue. And it's also going to be decreasing your resting metabolic rate. And because of all of this, it's basically slowing down your metabolism, which of course makes it easier for you to gain weight with less food. And this is critical because muscle tissue is more metabolically active than fat tissue. And muscle tissue requires more calories to function. So if you lose muscle, your metabolism lowers, making it harder to lose weight. So then you lower your calories, you increase your cardio even more, and we get back into that whole diet cycle. And if you're not familiar with that, go to my YouTube channel, Get Fit TV, and there's a video that talks about the diet cycle and how it really messes up your metabolism and makes permanent weight loss impossible. And what you need to do in order to get off that diet cycle so that you can lose the weight permanently. Now, the fifth thing that cardio does that is not helpful for weight loss is kind of what we just talked about. It can impede your recovery, and that's kind of the all-above scenario. Because it releases and increases cortisol, your body can't recover from workouts or just 
everyday stress, it's going to cause excessive fatigue, which again is going to get make your body have more stress and you're going to lose muscle and that's going to slow down your metabolism and make you tired. And of course, going back to all of the detrimental effects of increased cortisol or sustained cortisol, such as weight gain and sleep problems and heart disease and all of these other slew of things that you didn't even think about when you're there doing your cardio for an hour. Although there are a lot of other things that make excessive or long steady cardio not good for weight loss, I'm going to finish with the last one being that it's unsustainable, which means you can't do that for the rest of your life. Now, can you go and work out with weights a couple of times a week for the rest of your life? Sure. But can you get on the elliptical for 45 minutes every day for the rest of your life? No, and you, you wouldn't want to. I mean, that's a lot of time taken out of your day that you don't need to to do just in order to get in shape or stay in shape. So that is the top three reasons why cardio is bad for weight loss. But wait, there's more. Of course there's more. Here is a quick rundown to put it in perspective of why traditional cardio fails for fat loss. Basically, you're taking twice the amount of time to burn the same amount of calories. And that means you're working out twice as long on cardio for the same amount of calories you could actually be burning with weightlifting. Cardio does not build lean muscle. It's actually going to cause you to lose muscle in the long run. It doesn't produce much of an afterburn. So once you finish that cardio, maybe an hour or so, you're still burning some extra calories, but that's not the same as when you do weight training or sprint training where you're burning for up to 24 hours, maybe even more after the activity. And of course, it can lead to an elevation in the stress hormone cortisol, which is going to completely ruin your body composition amongst other major health issues. Now, is that to say that you should completely eliminate cardio in order to lose weight? Well, yes and no. To be honest with you, you can get the same cardio effects out of a weight training routine. In fact, there are several ways to get even better results just from weight training and no cardio at all. So I guess in essence, no, it's not yes and no, it's no. You don't have to do cardio in order to lose weight. Now, if you still wanted to do cardio, are there better ways? Yes, sprints are better ways. And I've actually discussed that in some of our past episodes. And we're going to get into some of that when we get into the training part of this episode. But yes, there are ways to incorporate it because I know some people really like that cardio type exercise. But again, you can do programs with weight training that are going to get your heart rate just as high, but also be more like sprints to your body and therefore not cause all the high level cortisol releases and not be as detrimental to your recovery and to your body. Now let's talk about nutrition and fat loss, especially fat loss in the belly area. So just as Specific types of training are more effective for burning belly fat, even though you cannot specifically make it come from there. But you can do things to trick your body into thinking that it doesn't need that belly fat and therefore release some of that for energy. So besides our workouts, there are things that we can do with our nutrition that can also help trick the body into letting go of some of this abdominal area fat. And remember, this is the body's way of sustaining life by accumulating this body fat in these areas so that when there are no food sources, it can use that for a quick source of energy. But it is possible to offset all of this with the right nutrition and, of course, some lifestyle actions. And I'm going to give you three little tweaks that you can use in your nutrition to help your body burn some of this abdominal body fat. 
but I want to make sure you understand we can't technically tell our bodies where to burn this fat. We can just kind of give it little nudges and hints and hope it takes our direction. The first nutrition tip would be to design every one of your meals around high quality protein. Now that's going to do several things. It's going to actually speed up your metabolism because protein is a little bit harder to digest. It's going to give you some of those essential amino acids that you need to build muscle and therefore that's going to help increase your metabolism from there. And it's also going to help reduce your appetite and your hunger. And it's going to help preserve your muscle mass while you're losing weight. It's going to help improve your blood sugar control and lower your insulin, which also helps with fat loss. And there was actually a study where scientists found that people who consumed high quality protein, and that is actually protein that contains at least 10 grams of essential amino acids, they found that those that did that had the least amount of belly fat. Of course, there's several other reasons why you should have some high quality protein with every meal, but this definitely is a really solid one. The next nutrition tweak has to do with your carbohydrate intake. The next nutrition tweak would be to replace refined carbs or carbs that might be higher in sugar with ones that are more fibrous. Now, fiber we know will keep you full longer. It also helps with your blood sugar levels, which alone will help with weight loss. But when we're talking specifically about belly fat, it's always nice to find a study or two that confirms what we're talking about. So there was actually a five-year study done with what they call a diverse population. And these subjects ate more fibrous vegetables and fruits and legumes, and they actually had significantly lower belly fat. They actually concluded that for each 10 gram increase in fiber consumed, the rate of belly fat gain decreased by 3.6%. So I guess 3.6% over a five-year study is still a pretty good thing just for adding some different foods into your daily nutrition. A third and our final nutrition tweak for burning belly fat is to use green tea and coffee. Now, we know that coffee will help increase your energy and that can give you more motivation to exercise. And both can also improve your insulin sensitivity, which also helps your body burn fat. When it comes to scientific studies, the dose of green tea that has been shown to reduce belly fat is actually more than you could reasonably consume. But in some cases, some high quality supplements can certainly assist in that, getting the right dosage, but either way, it's still going to be beneficial for your health. And it shows through research that drinking green tea and coffee may work with other dietary factors to help lower body fat. So it's always something that's a combination of everything. And that's why these are all little tweaks that done together can actually get you where you want to be. The key to all of this when it comes to nutrition is to make sure that you are eating your proteins, your fibrous carbs, your healthy fats, your meals on a regular schedule, all of these things that combine to help your body process what it needs in order to recover and build muscle and become healthy with less body fat. Now, when it comes to training, I first want to cover some of the reasons why belly fat is actually bad. I mean, I know most of us think, ooh, gross, you know, it's fat. We don't want it. We definitely don't want it there. But it's more than just the way it looks on you. Belly fat actually increases some of the inflammatory compounds, things that can make you hurt, things that are bad for you, things that increase the risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes and cancer. And it also impairs some of the appetite control that your body needs to keep you from overeating and to get out of that whole spiraling of dieting and weight gain and, and all that whole diet cycle system. 
The kind of scary thing is to see that there was a survey that found 84% of people with excessive abdominal fat were metabolically unhealthy. And that's a huge percentage. And yet there's some things we can do to eliminate that, or I should say to improve it, because we might not be able to eliminate everything in the belly fat area, but we can definitely always improve ourselves. So how do we do that when it comes to training? Well, we already know what to do or not to do with cardio. We know how to tweak our nutrition. And with training, the way to do that is by using some sort of interval training. And when we talk about sprint interval training, we're talking about a near maximum effort. So when I see things that say do a one minute sprint, okay, that's not a sprint. You can't sprint for one minute. Possibly you can if you're a high level Olympic athlete in an actual race or something like that, but your average person can't sustain a full on maybe 95% of your maximum sprint for one minute. So we're talking about things that are maybe 10 or 20 seconds at the most. Now, the other way to think about sprints it's some sort of activity that really maximizes your heart rate for a short period of time. And what else can do that? Well, that would be weight training. If you've ever done a weight training series where you're lifting, let's say, 75 to 80% of your maximum, and you're doing that for, say, eight reps, that can really get your heart rate up. Or if you've done maybe some deadlifts of five sets of uh, five repetitions, obviously being a very heavy weight or challenging weight for you, not necessarily you know heavy in general, but whatever's challenging to you, if you do that without a whole lot of rest, that's going to be, well, we say cardiovascular, but it's really anaerobic, which means you're not using oxygen, and that's where your sprint comes into play. So that is conditioning the heart better and faster than you would with traditional slow-paced cardio. So a lot of people do have the heart rate monitors on their watches now, or the Fitbit, and you can actually check that and look at it when you're doing a weight training session. Look at when you're doing something that you think is very challenging versus something you would do for a warm-up. So if you go into the weight room and your first set is a light set of flies to stretch, then you want to go to maybe a heavier version or maybe a different exercise with a heavier weight, like a chest press, check out what your heart rate is and try to find those exercises and time frames and weights and things that give you that really intense burst. So again, that's some sort of set that you're really pushing hard to get the last few repetitions out. And in that case, it might only last about 10 seconds at the most. Tabata is kind of designed around that concept, although I don't think most people put the 90% effort into what they're doing. They're still thinking more cardio-based when they're doing Tabatas, and realistically, they need to have much heavier weights for those intervals. But again, that's kind of the concept. If you're wondering which exercises are the ones that are going to get you into that correct sprinting range or high-intensity range, then look towards the ones that use multiple joints or multiple body parts like squats, deadlifts, pull-ups, things that will not do much will be smaller groups like triceps, biceps, even abs. So in essence, look for those exercises that are harder, that work your entire body. And it may be a process of finding what the correct weight is for you to really challenge yourself safely because you don't want to be doing one rep maximums and forcing your body to do things that it's not really ready for. You want to do something that's challenging within your own realm. And challenging is different to every person. So you really can't set a certain amount of weight for that. Now, this can also be a much longer topic. And you can actually listen to podcast number 187, 
and podcast number 157 for some more information on these types of inter interval variations and interval training. Oops, and I just looked at my notes. Also, episode number 134, which also talks about improper form and top fitness mistakes. And that was actually back from 2011. So there's still some really good stuff in the archives. When we're comparing types of aerobic and anaerobic training for fat loss, anaerobic interval training works so much better for several reasons. First, it requires your body to adapt metabolically. Your body is actually forced to burn more body fat to sustain the level of intensity that is being asked of it. Interval type training also creates a greater afterburn. That means it actually elevates your energy use for more than 24 hours after the workout, which obviously is going to have a lot of great effects on fat loss, even belly fat loss. So the bottom line seems to be that you can burn more fat and accomplish more for your body with anaerobic interval type training than you would be able to with aerobic training. So by cutting our time down, we can increase the intensity and then get better results. And that's really what it's all about, which is getting better results in less time. And just one final note here, the new 28-day program that I'm having some people test right now, but it is still available if you want to just jump right into it. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes for this podcast just because it, it, things not being 100%, I don't like to completely release out, but you'll probably be getting notification if you're on my email list. So make sure you do that at fitgirlpodcast.com. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. If you'd like additional information on these topics and more articles on health, nutrition, and motivation, visit fitnessmakeover.com, allinoneworkout.com, or coachkira.com.